This is Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 94, and today we'll be talking about the symmetrical tonic neck reflex, or the STNR. But first, though, let me remind you that you can support me by doing a couple of different things. One of them is by purchasing CEUs of this show on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com. Not only does that help me out, but you also get the benefit of completing some of your license requirements. Look for the yellow Add to Cart buttons under specific episodes. You can also help by doing your online shopping using one of my Amazon links on my website. I know you're using Amazon right now to do some holiday shopping. Just take one extra step by going to my website first. Clicking on the Amazon box, and that will take you on to Amazon. You can do your normal shopping from there. Finally, become a Patreon member, and you will receive additional member-only benefits by joining. You can click the Patreon button on my website, or just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Milestones Podcast. By supporting me one of these ways, You will directly contribute to more content and episodes being released for everyone to enjoy. In the previous episode, I talked about doing a question and answer session in December for Patreon members. I'm still going to have this session, but I decided to make it free for anyone who wants to join. I was thinking about it, and I would like to see how it goes before I commit to doing it every month. So for this meeting on December 16th, 7 o'clock p.m., U.S. Central Standard Time, you do not have to be a Patreon member to join me. The easiest way to get on the meeting will be to go to my website. Um, Again, it's mymidwesttherapy.com on the 16th, and I will have the information that you need to access the live virtual Q&A session. This will be an opportunity for you to ask me general questions about occupational therapy, especially focusing on pediatrics. Please get on and join me. I really want to see how this all works out. About a year ago on the show, I discussed the asymmetrical tonic neck reflex or the ATNR. If you don't know what this is or you didn't hear that, go back and listen to episodes 86 and 87. It's hard to believe it's already been a year since I did that one. But anyway, a lot of times when someone talks about the ATNR, They often mention the STNR right after that, but I don't think the STNR really gets enough of our attention. It seems like it gets passed over a lot, and probably because most people don't really understand it. So I wanted to cover it today and hopefully help you get a better grasp of what you're looking for with that reflex. You probably know this, but I wanted to mention it anyway, that just like the ATNR, the STNR is a primitive reflex. The Wikipedia definition of a primitive reflex is, quote, Primitive reflexes are reflex actions originating in the central nervous system that are exhibited by normal infants, but not neurologically intact adults in response to particular stimuli. These reflexes are suppressed by the development of the frontal lobes as a child transitions normally into child development. These primitive reflexes are also called infantile, infant, or newborn reflexes. The STNR typically shows up 
after the ATNR integrates or goes away. So around six to nine months of age, you should start to see the STNR appear. And it should integrate sometime between nine to 12 months of age. Let's think about the six to nine month age range and what is starting to happen during this time from a gross motor perspective. This is the time when two major things start to happen with infants. One, they learn to push up on hands and knees and begin rocking back and forth. And they may even start crawling or creeping at this point on their hands and knees. And two, they learn to sit independently. This is no coincidence that the STNR shows up and begins to integrate during the same time frame. Let's talk about why this happens. But first I want to describe what the STNR looks like in infants. There are two parts to this reflex. One of them is when the baby is lying on their tummy and they pick their head up to look up, or in other words, they extend their head while in prone. And what happens is they will also then extend or straighten their arms and bend or flex their legs. It might look like what I sometimes call a froggy position while they're sitting back on their feet with their hands on the floor and their arms straight with their head and neck extended up away from their chest. Okay, so picture it again. The baby is lying on their belly. They lift their head up off the floor to look up and they pop up into a position where their elbows are straight, they're weight bearing on their hands and their little bottom is sitting back on their heels of their feet and their knees are bent underneath them. This is the first part of the reflex. The other part of the reflex is the opposite. This time, when they bend their head down or forward, basically think of it as bringing their chin towards their chest. When they do that, their arms will flex or bend and their legs will extend or straighten. This is when people generally say, what are you doing? And they look confused as to why their baby seems to be smashing their face into the floor and pushing up on their feet with their bottom up in the air at the same time. It looks like they haven't quite coordinated using their hands and feet at the same time to push up. And I guess that is pretty much what's going on, but it's due to a reflex, which most people don't recognize. So you can start to see now that when this reflex kicks in, and helps the baby get up into the head up, hands holding their upper body off the floor, and they're sitting back on their feet position. This gets them prepared for the next step, which is the hands and knees position. From this froggy type position, the baby starts to be able to push forward more to weight bear on their hands but with their hands directly below their shoulders rather than extending out farther in front of their body. And at the same time, they start to push up so their bottom is not resting on their feet as much. And they start to be in more of the, the all fours, four point, or hands and knees position for crawling. From this, they start rocking forward and back. And as the reflex continues to integrate, they will begin to move one hand forward and eventually begin to crawl on hands and knees. The STNR really helps us learn how to use the top half and bottom half of our body independent of each other.
Think about that for a second. It helps us be able to use our upper body and lower body separately. This is really important for continued development. Otherwise, we will continue to have situations where when our, extent, our head extends, our whole body responds a certain way. And when our head bends down, our whole body responds in another certain way. To be more specific, if the STNR does not integrate by 12 months, you may see the 12 plus month old do any of the following things. They might prefer to lay down instead of sitting up. And I'm talking once kids are, are sitting independently or supposed to be sitting independently from a development or developmental perspective. They might scoot forward while they're in the sitting position. They might walk on their hands and feet instead of crawling on hands and knees. Froggy hop forward instead of crawling on hands and knees. So in that froggy type position, but um, never actually getting um, out of it to where their bottom is not resting on their feet anymore. And they might also skip crawling and just go straight to walking. If the STNR does not integrate by 12 months or somewhere close to that age and continues to be present in toddlers and older children, it can and most likely will present some ongoing problems with their development. Imagine the difficulties that may occur if you are unable to control your upper body and lower body separately from each other. Consider sitting as one example. Imagine the student sitting in a chair at their school desk. When they look down to write something on their school paper, and the second they look down, which means the head is bent forward, chin towards the chest direction, their legs extend and they go possibly flying out of their chair onto the floor. Now that might be a dramatic example, but this does happen and it could happen in a less dramatic or exaggerated way. For example, maybe they look down to write on their paper and they end up slouching over in their chair while kicking the child's chair that's sitting in front of them. You can see how this child might appear to be acting out or trying to be goofy and get attention, when in reality the child literally can't help it and they may get blamed for things that are truly out of their control. This can be extremely upsetting and frustrating for kids, but no one, not even they, might understand what's going on. They just know they didn't mean to do it, but they have no exp explanation for it. If it continues to go unrecognized, this child may eventually give up trying to do their, their schoolwork because it's just too difficult. This could seriously affect their grades and how they do in school long-term. While there may not be any actual learning delays in this situation, it may appear that there are. This could also end up being treated as behavioral, and the school may put it a behavior place in plan with probably little success since the child isn't in control of their body due to the involuntary reflex. Some other thoughts on the long-term effects of the persistent reflex. Since the child didn't crawl on all fours, they missed out on valuable time to practice lots of things, one of them being visually scanning their environment in front of them while moving along the floor. Visual scanning while crawling 
lays the foundation for reading and writing skills later on. The ability to visually look side to side helps with reading and writing left to right, but also literally crossing midline by moving their eyes across the midline while watching where they're moving in the environment. It can help reinforce the hand-eye coordination skill because their eyes move in coordination with their hands. Not only that, but the reciprocal action of crawling using the opposite sides of the body while on hands and knees strengthens their ability to cross midline by coordinating left and right sides of their body by using the left and right sides of their brain. I've seen this reflex in two and three-year-olds. The most obvious time I've noticed it is when we are having them play in a prone position, especially while they're laying on their tummy over like a peanut ball or something. The child will not be able to look at toys on the floor in front of them or below them while weight-bearing on their hands at the same time. Let me say that another way. The child will not push up on their hands to hold their head and upper body off the floor, especially while they're looking down at toys on the floor in front of them. When they look down at the toys, both of their arms will flex underneath them Their head falls down towards the floor, and a lot of times they will end up pushing off with their feet behind them because now their legs have extended because they're using the reflex. However, once we hold a toy up about a foot off the floor and the child looks up at it there, suddenly they put their hands down on the floor and they hold their upper body with their hands down and elbows extended. You may Also see them bend their knees and sit back on their feet or towards their feet instead of laying up over the peanut ball. You might also see it with a child who is sitting on the end of the peanut ball with their legs straddling it and they bend down to pick a toy up off the floor in front of the ball. They end up straightening their legs up. (laughs) They end up straightening their legs out and tipping their head farther down so they actually end up face planting or falling forward down on their face. If that same child is sitting on the peanut ball the same way I just said, but we hold a toy up higher so they look up to see it or they extend their head and neck, their feet leave the floor because they end up bending their knees up and fall backwards due to the reflex, preventing them from keeping their feet on the floor at the same time when they look up. This can appear to be a weak core, or decreased body awareness, like from a sensory perspective. And it is possible these things may also be going on in some of these kids, but it could also just simply be a result of the STNR reflex. The STNR reflex could also prevent the kids from developing their core muscles, especially if they don't um, end up crawling on their hands and knees, and if they have difficulty with sitting or are actually just unable to sit independently. Imagine trying to learn how to sit independently with the STNR reflex getting in the way. Anytime you tilt your head up or down, your arms and legs move in unexpected ways that will make it very difficult to stay upright. Now, hopefully that has given you a little better understanding of what the reflex looks like and how it works. So you might be able to recognize it sometimes in um, the little kids or in the school-age kids that you work with. 
Um, here are some additional signs to look for in school-age kids that can help you determine if a child might have a retained STNR. If you're seeing many of these signs in classrooms or the teachers are reporting them to you, it may indicate that the child has a retained reflex. So some of the signs might be poor posture, both sitting and standing posture, or a slumped position while in sitting. They will often W sit while on the floor and have poor balance with sitting. They may have difficulty with copying items from the whiteboard to the paper on their desk. That's the visual part of near to far. They might have really bad uh, or poor depth perception. Difficulty with fine motor bilateral coordination skills and handwriting. Difficulty with reading, writing, and math. They may have a hard time learning how to catch a ball. This goes along with depth perception, but also the visual skills of the eyes converging and working together that was not fully developed because they didn't crawl. Wrapping their feet around the legs of their chair while they're sitting down. They may be fidgety in their chair, and it looks like they might have ADHD or ADD. Or they may stand instead of sitting at their desk while writing. Let's think about that. When their head bends down forward and they bring their paper in closer while bending their elbows to bring it close to write, close to write on it, their legs will go out straight. So if they're sitting down, they will likely kick the chair in front of them or wrap their legs around the legs of their own chair underneath them to try and hold still. Or they may just stand up so they can do the leg extension part while bending their head and arms at the same time. This will allow the reflex to take over and, and do what it's doing. Imagine how distracting this would be to not only the child, but the other kids around them as well. Now, of course, the big question, what do we do about this? How do we help kids that have a retained STNR? As I've mentioned before, there are different theories about how to do this with reflexes. Some people think that we should have the child do exercises that make them go through the motions of the reflex and repeat that exercise until the reflex stops during that session. The other thought is to have them do exercises that promote the opposite movements from what the reflex does, essentially breaking up the reflex pattern. I still don't have good evidence that either one of these is better or more effective than the other. I think it can be a matter of trial and error with each individual. And when working with little kids and reflex exercises, sometimes we are just lucky to get some part of the exercise going with them due to their age or compliance or ability or many other reasons that having them do any specific exercise or activity just the way we want them to do it might not actually happen. For the STNR, one of the most common exercises is the cat stretch exercise, or I've also seen it called the child's pose stretch. This is where the child will get on their hands and knees in a four-point position, meaning four points of contact on the floor with their hands and knees or lower leg. 
It is also referred to as a table position. With their head in a neutral position to, to start, so their back is flat and the back of their head is in line with their body. Their feet are flat on the floor, but it's really the tops of their feet that are flat on the floor. The child ho holds weight on their hands with their elbows extended or straight with equal weight on both arms. Make sure their fingers are facing forward. They're not bent, fisted, or turned angled outward. Their hips and knees are at 90 degree angles in the starting position. Keeping their hands in place, have the child bend their knees and hips, bend their head down, and rest their forehead on the floor at the same time. And rock back so that their bottom goes down to where they're sitting on their back feet. Their arms will be stretched out in front of them, keeping their hands in the same place as the starting position. But now instead of their hands being directly below their shoulders, their hands are outstretched in front of their shoulders. It's kind of like a child's pose if you're familiar with yoga terms. They should hold this for two to five seconds. Then the child will rock back up to the starting position. They will lift their head up to look forward and hold that for two to five seconds. They should repeat the process for 25 to 30 repetitions in a row. And many places that I've seen recommend they do this every day for two weeks. Of course, it may take, it may take longer. We have to reevaluate after the two weeks. Another similar exercise is the cat arch exercise or the yoga cat and cow positions. With this one, the child will start in the four point or table position again. We want to ideally see the child maintain this position throughout the entire exercise. The only things that should move or change during this exercise are their head and back. We want them to lift their head to look forward and then up towards the ceiling so their head is extended and they're facing up. At the same time, we want them to arch their back downward like they're pushing their belly down towards the floor. We want them to hold that for five to 10 seconds. Again, they should be doing this while continuing to hold the four point position steady. Then have them bend their head down as if they are trying to look at their belly button. And at the same time, we want them to arch their back up like a cat would arch if, if they were mad. Think of, um, you can have them think of pushing their back or spine up towards the ceiling. Hold this for five to 10 seconds, all while trying to maintain the four point position still. Return to neutral and continue with more repetitions of those positions. And again, most places recommend um, 10 repetitions at one time for about two, two to four weeks. Things that we look for in doing any of these exercises that will tell you if the reflex is affecting their movements are if they turn one or both of their hands and fingers to face out away from each other rather than straight ahead, if they bend their fingers or make a fist with one or both hands, if they are weight-bearing through only part of their hand, like the heel of their hand or maybe the side of their hand but not putting any weight through their fingers or the rest of their palm all at the same time. If they bend one or both elbows instead of weight bearing through both extended elbows or straight arms at the same time, 
If they are unable to arch their back, so their belly goes toward the floor, this might indicate some weakness in core or back muscles. If they bend their, their feet or one foot so that they are weight-bearing on their toes, so that their toes are bent back rather than having the top part of their foot flat on the floor, this could indicate some additional weakness in their body that they are comp compensating for by using their toes to stabilize. If they are unable to maintain weight bearing on hands and knees while moving their head into various positions, so if they extend their head, for example, and sit back on their feet, the reflex is kicking in and not allowing them to hold against it. These are a couple of nice exercises that you can do with kids or adults with a retained STNR. However, that is assuming that they are old enough or they have the cognitive ability to understand all of their directions to do these exercises. That is also assuming they are compliant with doing the exercises willingly and repetitively enough to get an effect from doing them. If you're like me and you work with smaller children that may or may not be able to understand and then comply with the requests that you are making to have them do these exercises, then you have probably been listening to me today thinking, there is no way I will be able to get the two and three-year-olds that I work with to do this one time, let alone repetitively 10 or more times. If you search YouTube for examples of how to do these exercises, you will see that most of them have either an adult demonstrating the movements or kids that are probably 10 years old or older that are very compliant and seem to be doing their very best for the video. That's all very nice, and it is helpful to watch them do the exercises to see what it looks like in most ideal situations. And for those of you working with kids in school settings or outpatient settings with school-aged kids, you may be able to get them to do this too, and hopefully that's the case. With the, little, with the littler kids, though, we really have to get creative. We're trying to get them to do these same exercises these same movements, but most likely in the context of play with quite a bit of physical prompting and support, and probably for a shorter amount of time. Of course, this all depends on the individual you are working with, and it may look very different from session to session, depending on how they're doing that day. You, one example is you can have the child playing in a prone position, say propped over your leg or propped over a peanut ball, so their belly is resting on the ball with both of their arms on one side of the ball and their legs on the other. So they're basically in a four-point position or the table position, but with an object underneath their belly to help support their body from collapsing down to the floor. Then um, have them play with a toy. It can literally be anything as long as it keeps their attention long enough to have them experience the weight-bearing through their hands and arms with elbows straight, and it gets them to raise and lower their head. So maybe you have a light-up toy, they can reach for it, push a button to make it start up. They can continue to watch until it stops and then um, repeat it. While they're doing that, you should be moving the toy into different locations, higher or lower, left and right. Depending on the child's ability, you either want them to try and shift to weight bear on one hand while they reach with the other, 
or if they struggle too much to get that done, you may just want to have them continuously weight bear on both hands equally and you activate the toy or have something else that is that they're interested in that will keep their visual attention long enough to have them, again, move their head and watch it while they're weight bearing. This is usually a lot easier to do with two adults, by the way. One person can support the child to hold the position, and the other person will manage the toy or the activity part. The person helping the child needs to watch for the same things as with the cat exercises that I talked about earlier. The ball or your leg can help block the child's legs from flexing up underneath the body. This will help prevent them from getting into that full STNR position of having their legs bent under them when they are extending their head and arms to look at the toy. The person supporting the child may need to find a way to block the child's feet so they also don't go the other way and end up extending their legs or straightening out their legs when they look down and possibly bend their elbows while watching the toy. This is why having two adults for this activity can be really helpful. But even with two adults, it can be a lot of work trying to help the child get into and maintain the positions that we're trying to get them to do. You may be able to get the child to engage in this activity long enough to get 10 repetitions or so, but you may not. You may need to change the game or activity that is offered to regain their attention for a little longer, or you may need to change how they're doing this position altogether. Instead of holding a four-point position over a ball, you could have them laying flat on the floor on their tummy with their legs extended out and have them work on something by pushing up on their hands and holding their head up to look at it. Make sure you help them keep their legs extended out straight when they push up on their hands to work against the reflex position. Where normally the reflex, they would typically bend their legs up underneath them when they push up on their hands. If they rest their head back down on the floor, their legs would stay in that position. And when they decide to raise their head and extend their arms back up again, you would try to help them keep their legs straight. It would also be good to have them lift their head, but then instead of extending their arms at the same time, just holding the weight on their forearms with their elbows bent and keep their legs still extended out straight behind them on the floor. I think a lot of times I tend to focus on getting either the upper body or lower body to be in the correct position um, because it can be really difficult with the two and three-year-olds to get all of it coordinated at the same time, especially when you're first starting out. Don't expect perfection in getting these activities going. You just have to do the best that you can given their age and abilities. I don't have evidence to back me up either way on this, but just as my personal opinion, I think that something is better than nothing. Try to get what you can out of them and understand it. may not look pretty and it won't be perfect, but that's okay. If we do nothing, I have to believe there's a lot of a lot higher chance that the reflex will just continue to persist. Um, another good set of exercises that are good to work on with kids who have a retained STNR are crawling activities. One of the examples would be to have them do what is referred to as three-point crawling. This would look like um, the child is on all fours or four-point table position, 
and they move their right hand forward, then move the left leg forward, then the left hand, then the right leg. And they would continue again to repeat this pattern. Instead of typical crawling where we move right hand and left leg at the same time, and then left hand and right leg at the same time, so the opposite hand and leg are moving together, they will only move one limb at a time and move the opposite reciprocal limb after the other one is back down on the ground. That is why it's, that's why it's called three-point crawling, because we want them to have three points of contact on the ground at all times. Ideally, you want the child to turn their head to look at each hand as it moves forward. With this position, watch to make sure their back is flat during the activity and make sure their hands and feet are moving in reciprocal pattern, right, left, left, right, instead of right, right, left, left. If possible, you want to have them crawl for two minutes every day for two weeks. The other exercise is just simply what I call regular crawling. Crawling forward on hands and knees by moving the right hand and left leg forward and setting them down at the same time. Then left hand and right leg forward at the same time and continue. Again, we want to see them turn their head to look at each hand as it moves forward. That gets that visual piece, that visual scanning piece, crossing midline going. Um, also, watch to make sure their back is flat, it's not dipping or arching, and they are following the correct pattern with their hands and legs using smooth and coordinated movements. Some places suggest having them crawl like this for two minutes a day for two to four weeks. I've mentioned this in previous episodes about reflexes, but I will say it again today. I do not have the evidence that backs up the suggestions for amount of repetitions and length of time. For example, the two weeks versus four weeks. These seem to be consensus of recommendations that I have been able to find in my searches and in reading about the exercises. If you have any evidence to back up claims of these exercises, please send them to me. I would love to have that information for myself and to pass on to other listeners. With the little kids, the two to three-year-olds that I work with, I tend to do more of just the regular crawling activities versus trying to have them do the three-point crawling. It is just easier for everyone involved. And even regular reciprocal crawling is difficult for a lot of these kids. Hence the retained reflex and why we are talking about them doing it when they are at this age, where typically we don't need to focus on the crawling activities much at this age anymore. Have the child try and crawl on the floor following a painter's tape path along the floor or crawling through tunnels or to find their toys scattered around the room on the floor or millions of other ideas that I'm sure you can come up with that will be specific to each of the kids that you work with. I think this is an easier activity to work on because there are just so many ways to get them to move around and crawl. Holding still and maintaining the four-point position is usually harder to get them to do, especially for the amount of time that we want them to do it. I'm going to end there for today. I hope to see you on the 16th virtually, and I want to thank you for listening and have a great day.